This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. My goal always for my clients is that you twist it upside down. Cut the cake before you cut the, you serve the first course and serve a slice of cake as your first course. And by the way, what that does is it takes your guests and it flips them upside down. And then now they're going, wait a minute, what's going on, right? Let's take a breath. <sighs> hey guys, I'm Cindy Litbacco and welcome to Something to Share. Every Wednesday, I sit down with people you may have seen on your TV screens, experts in their fields, or just people I find inspirational so that they have a platform to dive into the things that they really want to talk about. We all have something to share, something that we're going through, and something that we need to hear. So let's get started. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am recording from Peoria, Illinois. We are here for the very first Bachelor Live show of the tour. Um, today we start tech, load in all of that stuff. I had rehearsals in LA a couple of days ago, so we have the show all learned. And now we're going to start putting everything together, start testing out with some volunteers uh, who are going to play the women who will eventually be in the show because we always pull people from the audience, which will be super fun, and just start this two-month journey off with all of that. So I'm excited for that. I'm recording from my hotel room. It'll probably be my last hotel room for a while because we'll be on the bus straight from here for a couple weeks. And then every so often we get a day off and then we'll usually be in a hotel. So this is the start to a lot of really exciting things. Another exciting thing is that we have a really awesome guest on this podcast, David Tutera. So if you don't know who he is, he is a very, very well-known wedding planner. He has planned many a celebrity wedding from J-Lo to Matthew McConaughey. He's a host of two different television shows, Celebrations with David Tutera and My Fair Wedding, which was on WeTV. So you've definitely seen him or have heard of him if you've had a wedding or planned a wedding or even watched some juicy wedding TV, you know of David. He's written many books. He is also a bridal fashion designer, author, professional speaker. He's very helpful in the space of weddings and event planning, and he's been doing this forever. Um, so he's a legend within the wedding world. And for me planning a wedding, I knew I had to reach out to him to have him on the podcast. And he is such a gem and said yes without any problems. And I just love that about him. He is, you know, an expert in this field. And for him to give this time like this was amazing. So basically, I just asked all of the wedding questions that I could possibly think of. I threw them at him. He was very receptive. He has a lot of great insights, a lot of different ways to look at a wedding and rethink how a wedding goes. I think we all know a typical wedding. You have the ceremony, everyone they get married, and then you go into cocktail hour, and then you have dinner, and then you dance, and that's it. But he has great ways of kind of, you know, throwing a bomb in that system and, you know, rethinking how we think of weddings, which I think is really cool and a great way to make your day special. So if you're planning a wedding right now, I think you're absolutely going to love this one. I was taking notes on the side. I am so excited to be planning with his advice. Um, and if, even if you aren't planning a wedding, there's some great tidbits in here for you as well. If he is a wedding planner, yes, but he's also a great business person and he's created a lot of longevity in his career. So I asked him all about how he got started and how, what he owes his success to and trick of the trades that he has developed along the way. So, so many takeaways here. I know you guys are going to love this episode. If you know someone that's planning right now, definitely send it to them. You know, send them that link. I would love if you tagged us on social media, put it in your story. It, it truly makes my day. And I hope this helps anyone out there who is planning a wedding or is going to be planning a wedding in the future. It's always fun to talk about weddings. That's what I found. Everyone loves to talk about it and hear different ways of rethinking things. So as I learn things along the way, I will always share them. That's what this podcast is about sharing. So besides David today, I wanted to share, since I'm traveling for the next two months, kind of the ways I stay healthy or try to stay healthy while I'm traveling. It is definitely not an easy thing to do. I can't say I travel that much, but whenever I do, I always try to stay to some type of routine or do my things that help me feel like grounded and centered before I go off and do whatever I'm doing, whatever the trip is. And since I'm traveling for so long, I want to try and maintain my lifestyle as much as I can. 
with tour is kind of interesting. We usually have our days off until around call times, usually around like six. So we have the day pretty much free, which is really nice. So I can get work done. I can record. I can work out, do all those things. There's generally some easy things I always try to do while I'm traveling. I feel like helps me not feel crazy by the end of the trip. So I wanted to walk you through some of those in case that helps people or if you're traveling soon or even if you're just like looking for some like healthy lifestyle tips, I got you. So main thing that I try to think about when traveling is what I'm eating, not so much to like diet or be restrictive or ever. I'm never like that, believe me, Um, but more just to feel like good and have good energy. And for me, that's digestion. And that is something I struggle with. So I really have to like keep that in check. Um, If you guys are interested in gut health or digestion, go back to the episode with the gut health MD. It's a few episodes back. It's incredible. He breaks down all the things, gut health, but that's something I definitely have to keep an eye on. So every morning what I do is brush my teeth, drink water, kind of get that flow going, and then I'll take my seed probiotics. Those are the ones that I found recently that have worked the best for me. It just helps me feel like regulated and keep things moving because I know that's tough when you're traveling. And that's it. I don't do anything crazy. I don't do crazy supplements. I've found that I just less is more for me. Um, and then I just see how I feel. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. If I'm not, I'll wait. So then I usually have coffee in the morning. If I'm having like bad digestion days, I'll wait to have coffee after I've had like a banana or something just to kind of coat my stomach because sometimes coffee on an empty stomach doesn't do great for me. And then uh, I'll throw things off. So I'll usually figure that out based on how I feel. I've been pretty good lately about being able to just have coffee in the morning and wait a little bit to have breakfast. And that's been fine. In general, for what I like to eat on a regular basis, I always try to get a protein, a fiber, and then depending on the meal, greens. Um, I'm a big follower of Be Well by Kelly. She is also a celebrity nutritionist. I'll try and get her on a podcast at some point. Her main thing is keeping your blood sugar down and feeling full. So no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm getting a snack in the airport or you know, on the run, I try to just have something that's going to make me feel full and satisfied because I hate being hungry. It's my least favorite thing in the world. I just get nervous when I don't have snacks because if I end up hungry, I, my whole day is thrown off and I can't think about anything else but food. So I was always the girl growing up that would bring snacks, pack a PB&J, always had something just in case I got hungry. That's just the way I like to live. So usually I try to find in the airport some type of a bar um, just to have on me or like a good trail mix. In general, I just try to keep my sugar down because when I am traveling too much or I can't really get my foods that I normally have, if I'm having like too much sugar, I'm going to feel really sluggish and my energy will drop throughout the day. And I like to just kind of keep myself as even keel as I can. I know this is not the easiest thing to do. So whenever I'm looking for grabbing a snack in say the airport or gas station or something, I just try to look at what the sugar is. I think that's like a good rule of thumb is to try and get a bar that is sugar less than like five grams. It's really hard to do with bars, but kind bars are like that. Um, Some protein bars are like that. And then also just watching the ingredients, make sure there's not like a ton of soy and crap that's pumped in there. Um, Because again, digestion. So usually I just try to find some type of protein fiber snack and just watch the sugar. It's pretty simple, but those are like good rule of thumbs when you're like, in the airport trying to figure out, okay, what would be something that will fill me up but not to make my sugar crash. So that's what I usually look for. Always water. I used to be the type that would like grab a drink in the airport, but I just have found that it just makes me feel sluggish and then bloated. After, I'm always super bloated whenever I get off the plane. So and as much as I can keep that down, I try to. So I usually try not to like drink while traveling. But if you're in the airport for like five hours and you have a layover, you're drinking. It's fine. So just trying to keep as much as I can, not being as extra bloated while I get off the plane. So watching salt, watching sugar, and then alcohol. Yeah. And then general, I just kind of stay to those rules while I'm traveling. I definitely indulge, but just trying to keep like a balance with it. Like if I'm going to get dessert, maybe not go so crazy with alcohol or just like keeping everything even keel. So one, I'm not going to be hungry and two, I'm not going to have like a crazy dip in my sugar where I'm waking up the next day with like a headache, feeling groggy, feeling bleh. So those usually help with me. So in general, any meal that I go to, I try to at least have a protein, fiber, a fat, and greens. And I'm 
I feel good, I'll feel healthy and like kind of even kill. That's generally how I live my life food-wise. I don't diet. I don't really count macros, any of that. I just try to keep my plate with those things and I'll feel full and satisfied and listening to my body as much as I can. And then once I say I get to my destination, I get off the plane, I always try to do things to deep bloat. So last night I got in pretty late, but I always like to do legs up the wall. I'll lay on my back and put my legs, I'll prop them up against like the headboard. So I'll, I'll put my like booty against the wall and then my legs up the headboard. They do this a lot in yoga, but it's a great way to bring inflammation down and it brings your blood flow back towards your heart. I don't have all the science here, but I just know it's really good for you and it just feels really good to kind of get that blood flow out of your ankles and bring everything back towards your heart just because like my ankles will be twice the size that they normally are after a plane and doesn't feel really good on my joints. So I'll do that and do some like deep breathing, kind of like recenter myself. The energy of of traveling is really hectic for all of us and I think that's a great way for me to kind of like center, bring it back. Um, check in with myself and not feel like all the craziness of travel. So last night I came in, I did legs up the wall for like 10 minutes, just did some deep breathing and went to bed. And that was it. Other things I like to do for deep loading is just a good morning movement. I try to keep working out while I'm traveling, but I, you know, I'm not too hard on myself if I can't get them in. So in general, I'll just try to do some movement in the morning, whether that's stretching or this morning I just did like a 30-minute yoga. Um, I have this app, Yoga 6, that I use because they have really great sculpt yoga workouts. Something like simple, easy, 30 minutes. And I don't have equipment, but I was able to do it in my hotel room. I just bring booty bands with me wherever I go. So I have like a pack of them. They fit in a Ziploc. They're very small, like very easy to fold up and throw in your bag. So I had some booty bands and just modified using the bands and just got some movement in. It was like 25 minute workout. It was nothing crazy, but I just feel a little bit more energy now to kind of start our very long day. So in general, whether I am on a bachelorette trip or, you know, on a yoga retreat somewhere, I try to do some morning movement, um, whether that's just like a walk to get my coffee or just some stretching in the morning or just like a quick workout just to feel like good. And like I did something to start my day. I just find that that really helps me. And then other than that, I just try to get good rest. I know it's hard with like time zone change and all of that, but I just try to prioritize sleep as much as possible, as much as I can get. I sometimes cheat and I'll use a melatonin to get me to sleep faster. The melatonin I use is bulletproof melatonin. It doesn't have a lot of sugar in it, which I like. It doesn't taste great. They're like little gummies, but you know, it gets the job done and I don't feel groggy in the morning. So I like their stuff and I just try to get as much sleep as possible, you know, and within reason. So those are just the things I lean on. So I would say to sum that up, always try to get some proteins and fiber and fat and a green if you can with meals. Um, keeping snacks on me that are healthy, nuts, uh, power bars, bananas, things like that, water, trying to do things that aren't going to bloat me so much and no alcohol while I'm in the airport, not a lot of sugar or salt in the foods that I'm eating, and then just trying to do some morning movement, maybe a meditation even if I feel like my mind's crazy from traveling, I'll pop on a meditation. I always usually do one before bed because it just helps me. And that's pretty much it. I know that sounded nuts, but those are things I just try to like check off of a list each day. And is every day perfect? No. So usually I just try to listen to my body, but when I feel like I get those like four things on my checklist, I feel so much better and so much more centered while traveling because a lot of times I feel like if I'm not doing those things, I'll get back to home and I feel like I need another vacation. So if I am still staying up with those things, I don't feel so crazy at the end. So those are my tips. Hopefully that helps. I'll keep sharing as I go through this journey that we're on. If you have questions or you know thoughts ever, always feel free to DM me. You can DM me at Sydney Lotwaco on Instagram or at Something to Share Podcast. I love hearing from you. I love to hear from the community, your thoughts, what you want to hear more about, um, any tips and tricks, anything like that. Share with me. I would love to hear them. Please enjoy this episode with David, guys. I hope that you love it. If you do, share it with someone. Give us a five-star review on Apple. It helps to bump up the podcast and get it out into the world and to the people who need to hear it. Here is David. Yeah. 
you know, you're, you're getting married. So that must be a really exciting thing for you. Yes, I'm very excited. I haven't done really much of any planning, but I was, I wanted to use this podcast essentially to help me get inspired and who better to do that than with you. Um, the best known wedding planner that there is out there. So thank you for being here. <laughs> You're so welcome. It's just like ask any question that I can help you with because I feel like, you know, three decades of doing this, I, I, I'd like to think I, I still know what I'm doing. Right. Do you ever get sick of parties and weddings after three decades of doing it? No, I, I don't. You know why? Every, you know, every client is so unique on its, to a, its own and, you know, sometimes there's difficult clients, which make it challenging. And, you know, mostly for me, I'm very lucky. My clients that find me seem to be like that really great energy fit for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I just had a client yesterday call me who was so perfect and we're going to work together. And I had a client like a week ago who reached out to me and it was third, like kind of kooky and fun and fabulous. So I, I love people that are just unpredictable. Yeah. It helps keep you on your toes. I'm sure. And, and excited. you refining. Yeah. yeah. And excited. Yeah. What keeps you inspired and willing to continue to show up for all these clients? Because you've had the extremes. You've had celebrities. You've had TV clients. You've had regular people. Um, So what keeps you showing up? I think it's, you know, it's a great question. I think it is legitimately the joy that I get from it. If I was doing the same thing every day for the same people every day, I probably would never have lasted this long. Mm -hmm. And I think because I constantly... Um, regenerate myself and I re, re, redesign the, the, the process of how I work. I find it fun and fascinating. I find people actually fun and fascinating. I think, you know, you get the cuckoo crazies and you get the fabulous, excited, emotional people. And sometimes you get a little bit of both. And that, that engages me because I never know what path I'm on. And it's mm-hmm. never like I'm going down the one lane and highway. It's it, it always shifts. Yeah, and you get to see people at the most extreme moments in their lives, and I'm sure the most extreme emotional moments in their lives. Yes, that would be an understatement, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's a show in itself, right? It is. So that's, that I'm sure keeps it fresh. Um, before we jump into all of the questions I have for you, I asked two initial questions of every guest. They're very simple. The first question is just to get us like breaking the ice, any item that you might have that is special to you. It could be an item either from your nightstand, um, an item that's surprising or an item with an interesting backstory. You don't have to physically have it. I've had a range of answers to this question. So anything that comes to mind. I do. I have. That's a great question. I really love it. Um, It's so personal and emotional too at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I have on my nightstand, um, which is interesting, it just was placed there um, by my eight-year-old daughter. Um, My mom is very sick and she's not well and she's probably, you know, close to, you know, being in the next part of her chapter of her world and her life. And my daughter pulled an image that she knew I talked about a lot. She found it. And this was about three or four months ago. It's myself and my mom sitting on the floor at St. Mark's Square in Venice, feeding the pigeons. And she put that photo there next to um, the other item that's on my nightstand, which is a tiny little vase that was from my grandmother, my mom's mom. And it's made out of um, iron. And it's got little teeny like flower buds with a tiny little opening at the top to put a one single rose of a, a rose head. Mm-hmm. And that's been sitting on my nightstand probably for 20 years. Wow. Yeah, it's special because they're always with you, even though they still are, some of them. But um, it's nice to have that. Just like when you go to bed, you see it. When you wake up, you see it. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your mom. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Must be so hard. Um, But yeah, it's just... I also love how kids are just so sweet without even really trying to be sweet too. Like I'm sure she was just like, oh, dad talked about this picture a lot. Like I'll just set it here. But it's just so sweet how she knew to do that for you. So thank you. Yeah. They're very, my, both my girls are very much like that. They're, they're very well aware of the energy around them. I think it's my husband and I are very much like that. So mm-hmm. I think it just spews out to them and they, they return it back to us. I love that. Um, one other question I have is anything that's on your heart or mind lately? It could be about your work or just in your life right now, anything that's been currently on your heart or mind. Um, On my heart's been my mom. On my mind Mm -hmm. has been myself. And Hmm. I started, um, today is day 13. So this is interesting. You're the first person that's heard this other than my husband. Um, I decided 13 days ago that I was going to work really, really, really hard 
to start my day positive, to live my day positive and to end my day positive, which by the way, sounds like we all should do that, but we don't. And, um, I made an effort on that first day and it felt really great. And then I woke up the next day and I said to Joey, you know, it's day two, a positive, you know, I'm in a positive place day two and today's day 13. And I am so excited because it actually isn't that hard to do. Mm. Um, if you really are, you know, manifesting that experience and that energy and, um, I feel better. I actually feel like things are not as heavy on my heart. Um, mm. It feels like the world that I'm in, the bubble that I've created for myself feels much more calm and more positive. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. I feel really special. Um, I'm wondering then for you checking in throughout the day when things happen, when you have insane clients, like how are you bringing yourself back to that positive positivity? Is it just like a reworking of a thought or is it like a breath or is it like writing or what helps you to like ground back into positivity? It's like a reboot. It's like you look at the moment that you're in that might be causing you to have that sort of negativity or anger or challenge or stress and you just sort of reboot. It's really like like my computer going down before we got on on our Zoom call, you know, the the power went out. So you have to reboot and that's what I figured out how to how to do. I don't know how long it'll last. I hope 13 days becomes 26 days and it continues. Mm-hmm. But you just have to, for me, I have to be very aware of the people that are around me and the people that are in my mind and my heart. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I think a lot of us don't do enough of. Yeah. I mean, you're, what do they say? Like you're the sum of the five people that you're around the most. Yeah. So that's really important. And yeah, it's just, I guess, even just having the conscious mindset of like, okay, checking in with myself. I think that helps. And it's just having that like the initial thing. So I'm going to try that too. I like, I like that vibe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, let's get into you. I always love an origin story. I've heard yours a couple because I was researching you a couple times, but um, I love where you started. I would love for you to tell the story of how you even got into this business because I mean, three decades is very um, inspirational. I'm sure people, a lot of people aspire to that. So like, how did you even get into this business and what kept you in it for all these years? Wow. So, you know, my my story is sort of odd because it wasn't the path that I had thought I was going down. Um, Mm -hmm. I left school as in high school and I went to Fordham University with the intentions of becoming an attorney. Um, That lasted all of about a year and a half. And I realized... Mm -hmm. My parents couldn't afford the school I was in. I felt guilty for going to a school they couldn't afford and knowing it wasn't actually the path I wanted to be. So I left. And um, for the purposes of making some money, I answered an ad, which was to deliver singing telegrams for the singing telegram company in Scarsdale, New York. And I would dress up in these crazy costumes for this woman who had this successful business. And I would show up in these you know, crazy costumes costumes and deliver balloons. And I would sing a song that was custom created for the recipient. So fast forward, you know, I'm living at home still with my parents. She asked me if I would be interested in purchasing her small business because she was retiring. And I said, well, that's a great idea, but I don't have any money. <laughs> like I don't have the money to buy that. So my wonderful grandfather, which is my mom's um, father at the time, um, had built a very successful flower shop business. He Came from Italy at eight and at 13, he started working in this flower shop. And at 47, he wound up buying the flower shop. So he had a plethora of knowledge that he was self-taught. And I asked him if he would lend me money to open this business. And he sat me down and he's a man of few words, but at this time he was a man of much. And he shared with me what I needed to know, how to run a business, how to make a profit, how to have employees. And I started this tiny business and it was a singing telegram company, actually. I, I took over that business and I opened up a tiny little store in Larchmont, New York. I thought, let me go to a, a, an affluent area, which is not where I was from. And a woman, one, woman one morning came in at my store and said, uh, I love what you did in your window display. Thinking, I don't really know what I did, but okay. And she said, would you decorate my son's bar mitzvah? And I said, Sure. And I thought to myself, I don't even know what the hell bar mitzvah is. So I said, yes. So my philosophy in life from that moment, when I was only like 19 years old, I realized that the word yes is an, is an avenue to open up many doors. If, you, if I had said mm-hmm. no, I probably may not have had this career I have. So I started becoming the person that created these events in this small community that expanded and expanded and expanded and Went from, you know, Westchester County to New York City to across the country to across the globe over a course of time. 
Um, and that's how I started. Wow. That's incredible. It's like one of those like right place, right time yeah. meant to be situations. But also I like that you said you said yes, because yeah, sometimes it's just like answering the right question and also just being open to where that could lead you, depending on if that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Because I think a lot of times people are like, especially with business, they're like, okay, well, I need to know what this is going to do for me. Or I need to know like this is going to have like an end goal where it's like you just said yes. And like, look where it's gotten you. It's true. And I still, it's funny. I still do that, Sydney. It's like, you know, somebody will call and ask, you know, I want to talk to David about a project, but you know, I always would typically say maybe 10 years ago, well, what's the project? Instead of asking what's the project, just take the call. And then sometimes that, that lack of information sort of blossoms into something that becomes pretty powerful. I mean, yeah, even you just being on this call just goes to show that you still do that. I love, I love that about you. Thank you. Um, I'm wondering for someone looking at you, like what you've now gone from starting off in something kind of falling into it and then going to this huge, way huger scale of like talk, working with celebrities, being on talk shows, having your own reality TV show. Like how did you stay, like I guess, humble in the process? And how did you not get like imposter syndrome working with all these huge names knowing from like where you started to where you are now? Like how did you maintain like David through all of it? You know, it's funny. Your question is so um, relevant to me right now. I'm in the very back end of writing a book. Um, This Mm. is my eighth book, but this book is about my life. And um, I talk about in one of my chapters when people refer to me or had used to refer to me as as talent on a show or as a celebrity, I always found it insulting and I always found it uncomfortable. And I always wanted to be referred to just as myself. You know, where's the talent? Well, the talent has a name. It's David. Who's the celebrity? It's David. But I don't perceive myself as a celebrity. I perceive myself as someone doing a great job at a job that he wants to, you know, make people feel great. So Mm -hmm. keeping myself grounded um, is really hard. As you probably know, in television, you can get pushed up to up the ladder really fast and you get thrown down very quickly. Oh yeah. And a lot of people around you, if not a majority, if not all, really don't care about you. They mm-hmm. care about their jobs, keeping their business, their, keeping their jobs, making more money and making sure you're doing the work that you need to get done. And even if it's not something that you believe is right for you. Mm-hmm. So I took my job seriously, but I didn't take the role of being on television seriously because it goes up, it goes down. Um, it can go sideways and go forward. Um, as long as you're present and realizing that it isn't the end of the world and it's not going to make you who you are, you are who you are before you've gotten there. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. Sometimes that's a really hard lesson to learn Hard. if you don't have your feet on the ground like that, because it'll, it'll definitely do that for you. Especially, I love that analogy of being thrown off a ladder because I've felt that I know friends that have gone through that from being on TV um, and it can happen in different scales, but it definitely, it definitely happens. So it's nice to have like being humble and grounded in like who you are. What would you say to someone who wants to be involved in the event industry or wants to get started? Because I'm sure it can seem overwhelming with how many people are involved in it, also but dealing with all the different personalities and things. So what would you say to someone who wants to get into it? And what would you say helped you build that success that you did? The latter of the two questions I'll answer first is that the the success for me was that I knew nothing. So I was self-taught and I figured it out. Lots of mistakes and mistakes can become massive successes. So I, I think being incredibly aware of of who you are, what you believe in, the people you surround yourself with, and the understanding that you don't have to be perfect. And when you put those together and create that formula, I think it sets us all up for the ability to step forward with success. I always say also that struggles, I've had so many struggles in my career over over all these years. And I say that if you're aware of your struggles, struggles equals successes. Look at the struggles and you throw them away the future can continue to have more, more struggles. So Mm -hmm. always being aware of what happened, why it happened, what you could have done differently and what you will do next time. Yeah. Applying the mistakes that you've learned because if not, those same things are going to come right back around the corner to teach you the lesson again. Exactly. Yeah. I totally, I have taught that a lot in dance. Like you can make a mistake, but you have to learn from that mistake and never make it again. Yeah. I can relate to that fully. What would you say then to someone to create the success that you've had? Maybe not on the scale that you have, but like what do you owe your success to? What do you think? Um, I think the question that's so the first question that you would ask is how do you get into the industry and become successful? 
Um, I think when I got into it, it was a much different industry. It was, it, it didn't have as many people now that there are because it wasn't really known if you were a party planner people thought you were a club promoter, you know, mm-hmm. and now party planner is written into scripts. It's written into movies. It's an actual legitimate, you know, industry. And now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and I say this all the time, there's too many people in it. And there's so many people in it that don't know what they're doing that it's now diluting the this the level of professionalism. So I always share with people, if you want to get into the business, you need to go in with an abundance of emotion, an abundance of wanting to make people happy. You are leading with joy and you're leading with creating uniqueness. If you don't have all those pieces sort of in your hand, it's going to be really hard. I mean, yes, you have to learn how to run a business profitable. You have to learn how to run a business with employees. You have to understand timeframes and timelines. That's all well and good, but it's the other part. It's all the other things that you really need to make sure you know why you're doing this, not just to make money, but to make Mm -hmm. people feel special and happy. Yeah. I think it's having a why is always important in anything. Yeah. Because it's like, yes, money, that's fine. Putting bread on the table, fine. But like what's going to keep you going is your why and why you show up for things. And I think it's important for people to figure that out for themselves. And that why can change as you evolve. But it's nice to have like that, again, peace to come back to. I agree. I want to get into some wedding questions. Go for it. Let's do it. like 20 (laughs) written down. They might be like fast thrown at you. But um, yeah, I just feel like I can't sit here and not ask you these questions. Do it. Let's do it. Um, Let's just start with like first piece of advice for someone planning a wedding. Like what would you say best practices are as far as like steps? So, So you get engaged. Now what? Like what do you do first? What's like the the planning process of planning a wedding. All right. So you got engaged. Um, Mm -hmm. If I may ask a question back to you first before I answer your question, how long have you been engaged? I got engaged in December. I believe it was the the 5th, December 5th. So you're, you're newly engaged. I tell, when couples call me after they've like a day after they've been engaged, I'm like, well, pause guys, take a chill (laughs) pill and realize that this is an exciting moment. Too many people rush down and I literally mean down the aisle to figure out how to plan their wedding. And they're not ready yet because they really haven't had those conversations. As couples, you have the conversations about how much you love one another and how one makes you feel great and how you know, you're know gonna to live your lives together in the future, hopefully. Then the, then the ring goes on the finger and now you're engaged and now they start making really, really poor decisions mm-hmm. um, because they're overly excited. So I always say, give it a month to two months, which is where you kind of are right now. Yeah. And allow yourself to begin to think about what is the style, the energy, the destination, the location, what is the vibe you want to create for your wedding memory? Mm-hmm. And the thing before that really is the one thing I tell people that no one really likes to listen to this is that what is your budget? Like what legitimately mm-hmm. are you going to be able to afford before you start running down the aisle and trying to put this together? So yeah. once you have that mindset, I think it begins to put you on the right path of moving things slowly, quickly enough to get to the finish line, but slowly enough to be able to process the content and the ideas that you want. I love that answer. Yeah. Because a lot of times we were like, if you start planning, I was like, I have over a year. So yes, but no. Um, I've just been doing a lot of Pinterest boarding. So that's been a fun time for me. (laughs) Um, What makes a wedding successful in your opinion? Oh, wow. Um, My goal always for my clients that um, have successful events is that they don't do the predict- pr- the predictable formula of a wedding. Mm. Um, I just talked about this. I was in Chicago at the Windy City show last weekend, speaking to brides and grooms. Everyone understands what a wedding is. You know, it's predictable. You 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 show up. You go to ceremony. You go cocktails. Then you have dinner. You dance. Dinner, dance. Cut the cake. Go home. It's like you know. It's just like a you know. It's a ritual. Mm. Um, my goal always for my clients is that you twist it upside down. Like mm-hmm. I was explaining last week to this, this room filled of very eager, excited couples, cut the cake before you cut, you serve the first course and serve a slice of cake as your first course. And by the way, what that does is it takes your guests and it flips them upside down. And then now they're going, wait a minute, what's going on, right? Like this is something I wouldn't have expected. And you start to do that every 30 minutes or 40 minutes into the time frame, and you move and ship things in different places. It's not costing more money. It's Mm -hmm. changing the 
perception of your guests being passive guests or interactive. And now they've become interactive because you as a host are shifting it and switching it all up. That's so fun. I'm going to have to figure out how I can put a bomb in the the schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What details should be stressed and what should not be stressed or what could be like not as stressful? The, the most majority of stress comes from your bridal party. I hate to say it. It just does. Mm. It comes from the people that are surrounding <laughs> you. So yeah. often I have great wedding couples that have a really fabulous, you know, group support team, you know, groomsmen, bridesmaids, all of that works. And then you have like one, one just bad apple in it, which winds up becoming something that spreads to everybody else. So mm. I always say, pick your bridal party carefully. And if that means to pick less than the people you choose to want to have, it might mm-hmm. be better to support you that way. And that stress factor gives you the opportunity to enjoy yourself more with your partner. Yeah. A lot of people are getting rid of the bridal par- party these days too. Yep. So fascinating. What to look for in a wedding planner? Uh, well, first of all, you need to find a wedding planner that's actually legitimately listening. And mm-hmm. your goal as a, as a consumer is to make sure they're listening by asking them in a future conversation, the same question that you asked them the first time and see if the answer has shifted because a lot of planners spew out content that is just over, over regurgitated over and over and just kind of test them before you hire them and make sure that they're understanding your, you know, your vision, your energy, and allow them to prove to you, not just the cost of what they're charging you, but let them prove to you that they actually are connected to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're like your best friend for nine months, you know, 10 months yeah. and they disappear. Or sometimes they stay your friend. Sometimes it happens, but make sure you feel they understand and they got you. Okay. Find a new bestie, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How to create unique and special moments within a budget. Uh, it's just, it, to me, it's all about music. Uh-huh. Um, it, to me, the heartbeat of any great cel- celebration is the music. I pull on heartstrings all the time. I find, you know, magical um, scores of music that shift the energy during dinner. I don't always typically love to do a traditional wedding band. Quite frankly, I don't like them at all. Um, You know, get a great singer, get a great performance, do a, you know, a 30 minute set with someone that really allows you, your partner and your guests to feel like they're experiencing something that they'll never experience again. That Mm -hmm. really shifts the tone and energy of a wedding. Yeah. They're like the guide of the wedding too, essentially for the yeah. guests. Cause they're like, okay, we're doing this now. I didn't you have a like 60 person gospel choir? Oh, my us? wedding was nuts. I had, <laughs> I went crazy. I had a massive gospel choir. I had uh, a very well-known opera singer. I had a 30 piece orchestra. And I also had um, this phenomenal singer from North Carolina who flew up and uh, performed for us both at the ceremony and also at the celebration. Incredible. It, it was just so special. It was so great. Like a concert. It was. Um, best wedding hack, trick, hack that you've learned in the time um, of your experience. Oh, I'm going to give you one that I don't typically share, but I'll do it. Uh, and this would be what I would say to a client. So when I see a client coming to me in a foul mood, for whatever reason, I don't even know yet. And typically it's the mom. It's always typically the mother of the bride. And they're coming towards me to complain about something that is irrelevant. I immediately look right in their eyes and I'll say, oh my God. Oh my God, you look so beautiful. I love your dress. You look fabulous. This is just, you look amazing. She forgot exactly what she was going to ask me and I made her smile and she didn't want to walk away. Mm -hmm. So that's my version of trying to, you know, Cut it at the cut it at the moment before it turns into something bigger. And another kind of fun, funny example is often uh, guests come to me in a party and say it's freezing over here. It's, the music's too loud, you know, as if I have complete control over the op- full ambiance. So I've learned over my course of thirty years, I, I all get okay. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'll be right back, and I'm gonna make sure I, lo- I I raise the heat up a little bit to keep it a little bit warmer, or I'll I'll take dial down the music. By the way, I do neither of the two. I just, I I let them think that they got what they were complaining about accomplished. That's a great hack for just regular life in general. (laughs) Tell people they look really pretty. I used to do this a lot in fitness. Be like, you guys look great. Or you just, you just essentially tell them what they want to hear, you know? Yeah. That's what they (laughs) need to hear. Yes. Um, What classic parts of a wedding do you think should stay and any traditions of a wedding that are trends that you think should 
be cut? Oh God, I think there's more things that need to be cut than anything else. I mean, all that ridiculous, silly formalities of that horrible garter and the bouquet. I was going to say, oh, how do we feel about the garter? Oh God. I mean, let's step it up people, right? Let's yeah. just sort of get a little bit more cleaned up on this. Um, <laughs> I don't like any of it. I really don't. I, I also cannot stand the introduction of the bridal party into the room. Mm, um, so somehow they all, dancing. yeah, they, they've already had too much to drink and they look like fools. <laughs> I love that. Um, how to create a timeless wedding aesthetic. Um, it's a hard question to answer, but a great, great question to ask. Being timeless to me is when you are keeping things incredibly clean. Uh, when I say clean, you know, keeping the palette really muted. Um, don't get thematic in, in regards to let's have a, you know, what's the theme of our wedding, which yeah. so I did that on my television show for many, many years. And that was like the kitsch of the show, but that's not the reality of what people should do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think keeping it simple, keeping it clean, keeping it classic, classic, um, yeah. keeps it timeless and I think keeps it relevant. Love that. Mistakes couple make in the wedding planning process or even on the wedding day? Uh, on the wedding day, they they choose sometimes often not to speak, meaning you're hearing from people that are giving speeches, keeping them short, I hope. But often, think about this. How often have you been to a wedding the bride and groom have actually gotten up, taken the microphone and thanked their family, guests, and friends? Mm, um, yeah. It's rare. It is right. Um, I think the voice that needs to be heard is the voice of the couple that we're celebrating. Um, so say something beautiful and say something nice and be appreciative of all your friends and family. Yeah, I love that. I think you mentioned too, it's like almost like thinking of it like hosting a party. Yeah. It's like, yeah. how would you be? I like that a lot. How to not stress, have stress before the wedding? <laughs> I think everybody, listen, I had stress before my wedding. Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, I think you need to detach, you need to step away for a week. Uh, go get a massage, go for a walk, go for, do a movie, go do something with your partner and don't mm-hmm. talk about your wedding because it's exhausted already and just get excited. Like get really, really excited. Like I have to go to a wedding on Sunday of this weekend for a friend of mine mm-hmm. and all she has done this entire time has been worried about her wedding and mm-hmm. I keep telling her, just stop worrying about your wedding. Like enjoy the process and not worry about what's going to go wrong. Something will go wrong but if mm-hmm. you're aware of it, it's going to make it even worse. So just step back now and become a guest at your own celebration. I love that. Yeah. I was wondering if with you planning your wedding, did that humble you in the experience where like future planning, like you learn things that brides go through? <laughs> no, what I, did, what I did learn was that a wedding planner should never plan their own wedding. They uh. should think they should figure out what they want and have someone else take it over because as a micromanager in general that I am, and mm-hmm. a pursuit per- perceived perfectionist, which I attempt to be, having a 300-person wedding at the scale that we did made the weeks leading up to our wedding very stressful for me. It was not enjoyable. Yeah, I bet. And it's like, I'm sure the pressure of being a wedding planner like you are and creating this event was also um, a lot, but it sounded beautiful. So It was. It was one of my best favorite days of my entire life. Um, how to create a wedding flow that works. What I tell my, my clients, it's like writing a beautiful script, mm-hmm. you know, the flow of your wedding, your flow of your day or night, your celebration should definitely have highs and lows. So you want to do that. Well, that's first of all done through music, of course, mm-hmm. um, but you also want to have the shift in energy change. And that could be the dimming of the lights, the, the mood that you're setting when someone speaks, what's surround, who surrounds them when they speak. Um, I, I think that lighting and music and scripting, which is like really producing a movie, um, mm-hmm. really creates that flow. It really creates that energy throughout the entire length of what could be six, seven hours. I like that you make me rethink of how a wedding is run. Like it's almost making me think of it like a show. Yes. So I like I like that vibe that we're going with. That's going to help me. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. What's your favorite element of a wedding? Oh, gosh. I would say my favorite ele- element of a wedding would be watching the the couple walk down the aisle. Mm. Um, and I also love the difference. So there's just two very distinct moments. The, however they choose, either, either coming down as a couple or the bride's coming down first or vice versa. There's a different energy in the walk of the processional and there's a different energy of the recessional on the return. Mm. And it's really fascinating to watch the faces of the couple. And then I also think that being able to see a couple 
that have now been married in their celebration space, actually walking side by side and going to friends and family and saying hello. Mm. It's a it's an old tradition that has gone away. They just jump on the dance floor and they act like fools sometimes. And I think it's important to be the host. Yeah. The host and the and 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 the the ringleader of this celebration. And that's a responsibility that most couples don't take on. Yeah, I like that. And it gives it the personal touch too, because all these people came and showed up for you. So like connecting with everyone exactly. is really great. What's a wedding song that you could never hear again and be fine? Single lady. Oh my god, I bet. <laughs> and then they make fools out of themselves. Yeah, so. every time. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. <laughs> You're one. good with that one. Um, what's something that you wish you could tell people planning a wedding? To ask the other person, to ask your partner if they like the idea, to talk about the concept and why it may not work or why it could work. Um, to have that dialogue, it's kind of like, you know, it's interesting. I always say when you are planning a wedding, it's like building a foundation to your home. Like mm-hmm. you can't build a home if you don't know what the cost of a home is and you have to pour the cement first. Mm-hmm. So now that you're in that process in your, in your relationship, the planning of your wedding is like a trial. It's like a trial. It's like an example of how the two of you will communicate moving forward beyond the wedding. Very true. So I think that's what you need to do is go, wow, is, is, is that, is my, is my other half invested in this concept or is, or is that person just saying yes to me because they want to shut me up? You know, I mean, I think you start to learn a little bit more about your partner Mm -hmm. um, in the planning process, which could be great. And there could be things that are like, "Uh oh, this is not a good thing. (laughs) How do we fix that? Uh Yeah. My um, fiance had a dream the other night that it was a nightmare for him because he dreamt that he got to the wedding. He didn't know any part of the planning. He didn't know what he was supposed to be wearing. He was not wearing a shirt in the dream. And I was like, it's fine. Let's just do this. And he saw like a side of me through that dream, like, I don't know if I can marry this person. I don't even know anything about her. How could she show up to the wedding and not let me know anything? So yeah. So now he learned from that dream that he wants to be more involved in the process. So. See, that's exactly right. Like, I'm glad you had that dream. Um, I think- <laughs> And shared it with you too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, good to know. I'm going to refer back to that when we're in the planning process. Um, I think last couple of questions, looking back on all of the weddings you planned or even just like parties in general, what was like the most- insane memory wildest thing that you saw or that you can recall this this one always comes back to me um i was doing a wedding at um cipriani's downtown in new york city Mm -hmm. um and that is an epic space and the ceiling heights are like ridiculous i don't know they're like 60 feet high or whatever 70 feet high and the and the bride um about six months before her wedding said to me she wanted a grand entrance into her party I said, okay, what would you like? She said, well, I want to come down like pink um, on a trapeze yes. from the ceiling in my wedding gown and be lowered into the room of like 500 people. Love that. So yeah. in my head, I'm thinking this is not physically logistically possible. And it's a really bad idea because you're not a gymnast. You're not in that great of shape. And I think it's just a really bad idea, but I didn't, you never tell a bride no until you realize that they figured it out. It's a bad idea. Uh-huh. I said, here, let's do this. You know, there's a trapeze, uh, you know, you know, place to go downtown New York. Why don't we just send you there and you can practice and you get that opportunity to feel comfortable. She has this big ball gown. How is she going to do this? Right. Mm -hmm. So she was so happy. I told her yes. Right. So weeks go by, months go by. She's going and rehearsing. I knew, I knew hand to God that day of the wedding, there was no way she was going to get on that trapeze get hoisted in the ceiling and wait up there while her guests don't know she's up there to lower her down Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happened so the good news is i didn't have to tell her no she had to figure out it was a bad idea and unsafe yeah and that was sort of the most ridiculous request i ever i love that request she was like i wanted to be a pop star on my wedding day (laughs) great well i mean like good good for her for even practicing you know she put in the effort she did. I don't know how many times she went, yeah. but so either way, saying, she did put in the effort. That's yes. amazing. Um, David, what do you have going on right now? What's coming up for you? Oh my God. We are slammed with wonderful events coming up throughout the world, actually, that we're doing. Um, we have a new line that's coming out called Dreams Delivered, mm. um, which is um, how to get your own wedding delivered to your front door. Oh. Um, yeah, it's pretty spectacular. It's going to be launching in about two, two and a half months. Um, it's been in under, under works for about two years. Wow. Um, and we do the David Tutor experience, which is our internal, um, educational conference for people in the industry. 
Um, we do two of them a year. And our mentorship program, which is an online course, um, which is teaching um, those in the industry how to help educate themselves more, help make them more profitable and more knowledgeable so they can be a better planner. I love that. I love that you continue to teach people too. It's so I do. Amazing. I like that. I love it. I'll make sure to link all of that. Um, I just have final questions to wrap us and then we'll be good. Sure. Um, first question, anytime that you might have overshared since this podcast is about sharing either with like a bride or a couple or just like overshared on TV or something that you would change or alter or say differently? I probably can answer that with a whole, with 100% no. I'm not an overshare. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people do do that on television and a lot of people do do that in our industry. I'm pretty buttoned up kind of, like I keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't overshare. I respect that. Cause it can be hard to be like, okay, I want to be personable. I want to like tell everything, but you tell like everything that you need to, you don't like, I don't feel like I don't know you from that. So I, yeah, I respect that you. you do that. Thank you. It's also hard to do. It's like a hard dance. So good for you. Um, what do you want to be known for or remembered by after all of this that you've done? Oh, I think I would want to be remembered and reminded of how much I care about people. One of the things that people don't know about me is that, if, and it has nothing to do with my career or what I do for a living as in creativity, is that when I see someone that it needs help, or I see a moment that, that someone's having challenges, mm-hmm. total stranger, um, I step in um, and I, I try to fix or try to help the moment to just alleviate whatever that pain or sorrow might be. You know, my husband always says, oh God, here he goes again. And I I do it because no one did it for me when I was in, in, in times of need. So it isn't like I'm changing the world. It's just that I'm lending a hand to make other people feel just a little bit more joy mm. when sometimes joy just seems to be impossible for them. I love that. That has a ripple effect too. You never really know it like does. who helping that person can help all these other yeah. people too. You get a little bit of trouble sometimes because there might be somebody with that person that doesn't want to hear about what you have to say. Yeah. I just stand up for people. I, you know, I stand up for people no matter what color they are, what you know, mm-hmm. who they love or what they're doing. It's really important that they know that. That's awesome. Um, last question. What's like one last piece of advice or leaving thought? It could be related to what you do or anything. I've learned over the past two years during our wonderful change of our world, I have learned really hard to really find the joy in my journey. And it is not the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. when you're really sometimes not in the right place. So with that 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 journey and finding that joy, it has been really a helpful process, at least for me. And I always share with people when I get onto a stage and doing motivational speaking, which I do a lot of, is I remind them that every day is not going to be a perfect day. But if you can find a simple thing in that day that gives you that joy, that journey becomes a lot more successful for you to, to push forward. I love that. It's enjoying like the process of it instead of just the yeah. destination. Thank you so much for that and for being um, here with me. And where can everyone find you, all that you're doing, all the good stuff? Oh, gosh. I'm on every social handle, so yeah. we can go to every, everywhere there on all of them. <laughs> and davidtutera.com has all the information on all the different programs I do and how to reach me if you're looking for someone to create a celebration for you or just wanting to learn and become a better person. Um, we have all that on the davidtutera.com site. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was awesome. You're so welcome. That is it for me today, you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. Before you go, make sure that you rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And one thing you can share in the meantime, this podcast, obviously. Send it to a friend who needs some inspiration or give us some love on social media and tag us at Something to Share Podcast on Instagram. And I'll see you next Wednesday.